So we became one of Uber's 15 first partners, did a lot of press around it. It helped us raise our Series A round, and, and then we were off and running. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everybody. Today we have Mike Dudas, who is the co-founder and CRO of Button, which is a company that helps retailers realize the power of mobile by allowing seamless interconnected services to complementary and relevant products. And I'm going to let him explain what that means in just a second. But Mike, how's it going? Uh, going really well. Thanks for having me on today, Eric. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So yeah, first and foremost, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of your story and how you got to where you are? I've been you know, working in the technology industry uh, for about 10 years now. Uh, feels like shorter. It just goes so fast, as you know. Any uh, technology career goes very, very fast. Uh, and I started in uh, media and ad technology at a startup based in New York City, uh, where I live today. Uh, and all the technology jobs I've had have been based in New York City. I uh, spent two years at a startup, uh, three and a half years at Google, uh, and then worked at Venmo Braintree. Uh, for a couple of years before we started Button in 2014. Uh, and along you know, that 10-year journey, I uh, shifted actually from a focus on media and ad technology um, to a shift uh, to a focus on commerce and payments. And uh, so it's been really exciting. And that transition happened at Google. You know, Google's an amazing company, which allows folks to kind of dabble in areas uh, and, and build new careers in areas where they're not experts. Um, so worked on the launch of Google Wallet, uh, which led to to my opportunity at Venmo Braintree. So each of the roles I've had have been uh, partner development, business development, and sales. Uh, and I absolutely love sales. You know, I thought I'd be an engineer in college, uh, and and quickly realized that uh, that selling was what I love to do. And we started Button about three and a half years ago, uh, and we have a fantastic team. You know, folks from Google, Venmo, Rakuten, Facebook. Uh, with a mix of commerce, payments, uh, advertising, and pure e-commerce uh, experience. And what we do at Button is, uh, you know, we've found, and I think you've probably found, anybody who's listening has found, it's really hard to buy stuff on mobile. You know, you have to tap 150 times to enter in new credit card information on a mobile website and all your personal information. Uh, and the best place you know, make it action is inside of mobile apps. Um, the retailers and merchants uh, themselves, from Uber to OpenTable to Booking.com to Amazon to Walmart, all find that you know customers uh, who use apps far more able than those who use the mobile websites only. So uh, we work with those retailers and those merchants uh, to acquire uh, new uh, mobile users, mobile app users, uh, from you know a number of different publisher sources. Uh, and the big problem that many of these merchants have found today is that there's this duopoly that you've heard a lot about, Facebook and Google. Um, they're really scaled, uh, but they're also really expensive. And uh, it's hard to find you know, cost-effective, efficient, uh, and scaled channels outside of Google and Facebook on mobile. 
uh, to acquire new users and to drive transactions. So we work uh, with these retailers and with a great, great group of publishers um, in the performance marketing channel uh, to drive transactions on mobile. Got it. Okay, great. And what numbers can you share around the business today? Uh, so we are growing really fast. I mean, just like any uh, growth stage startup, we're uh, you know fifty. We're more than fifty people, and that's up from thirty-five people just six months ago. Um, we've raised you know thirty-four million dollars uh, behind a you know, really strong revenue story. Our revenue is up uh, on a monthly basis. You know, this month it's it's ten x what it was this time last year, uh, and we're driving in the tens of millions of dollars in revenue. Um, so it's really exciting. Uh, and uh, you know we expect to you know double that again, uh, you know in the next four to five months. So you know we're a really exciting position where we really do control uh, our own fate. And if we keep doing things really well and delivering value for merchants and publishers, uh, you know we really feel the sky's the limit. Got it. And just to back up a second, I mean, where was where did the impetus for this idea come from? I mean, what's the story behind that? So we looked at. Uh, where the pain points were, uh, both for consumers uh, and for builders, you know, of mobile commerce businesses, and uh, looked at our skill set and said, "Hey, where can we help?" Out? Um, so the founding team in 2014 felt that you know pure sort of payments uh, was was solved. You know, I worked at Braintree, uh, and you know there are great payment solutions from Apple Pay to Android Pay to Braintree to Stripe. Uh, you know, not a real big problem there um, for mobile commerce businesses. Uh, for on the advertising front, you know, we felt like in the sort of pure advertising market, a lot of great solutions in terms of, you know, Google and Facebook. But we looked at this massive channel that exists on desktop, uh, and it's the affiliate channel, right? And it drives for many merchants, you know, something like 15 to 20 percent of all transactions. And that channel was absolutely non-existent on mobile. Um, for a host of reasons, uh, you know, primarily the the challenge was tracking transactions into the app, um, and it just wasn't a priority. You know, most of the legacy affiliate companies are 15 years old. You know, not really technology companies. So we said, hey, there's a huge problem here. It's a channel that works on desktop. It's more complex on mobile, and we have a great skill set. You know, sexy business, but um, you know, it's a really exciting, healthy one where you get to work with some of the best companies in the world who are delivering services that users, consumers love. Um, so we got really good about it. And I think each just said, hey, you know, this is where we want to be. We want to be in marketing technology um, and sort of bridge the gap between you know, advertising and commerce. What's an example case study of how this might work in real life? Because uh, I've seen a couple of examples on your site, but it might be helpful for people to visualize how this thing might, um, might work for them. Absolutely. So you, you know, in the past, you would go, for example, to a publisher, um, you know, mobile website or app such as Foursquare, let's say. Uh, another example might be, you know, Condé Nast Traveler, where you're looking at reviews of hotels. But let's just stick with Foursquare right now. Um, you know, in three years ago, when you went to Foursquare and you landed on a restaurant page for your favorite restaurant, you would get information, you would get links to their website, you know, perhaps their phone number. Um, and you get ratings and reviews. Uh, so a great information site, you know, monetized uh, through ads uh, that weren't always perfectly relevant uh, to what you were looking for. Uh, so Foursquare said, hey, we'd love to, you know, make these pages more valuable, more actionable. Um, and if somebody's looking at a restaurant page, for example, you know, they likely want to make a reservation uh, at this restaurant or get food delivery uh, or get a ride there. So we put what we call buttons, you know, the name of the company onto these pages in the app 
Uh, and what we found is incredible engagement with those uh, with those buttons. You know, we're seeing tons of folks make restaurant reservations directly uh, from Foursquare pages. So, you know, I'm at Upland, a great restaurant in New York. I'm researching it. I tap the open table button and it deep links me straight through to open tables, uh, upland reservation page where I can choose my time and I'm off and running uh, and my reservation is booked and it you know, helps to turn Foursquare into a place where I can not only get information, but I can take action. And, you know, it's not an ad, it's a actual product integration into that publisher page that provides value for everyone. Um, and because of that, you know, the, the user loves it, the publisher loves it and the merchant, you know, open table in this case, uh, loves it. And you know, because of that, we've been getting referrals. Um, our customers are selling on behalf of us, and it's a really great place to be. Got it. So, if I'm understanding this correctly, I mean, you know, let's go back to the Foursquare example. Basically, you know, the way it was before is you use Foursquare, and then you have to open up another app if you want to book, uh, you know, let's say a reservation or something, right? But the way you guys have it now, where it's it's basically seamless, and then they can connect. Uh, let's say, you know, the the restaurant and Foursquare, it's it's integrated together, and then basically. Uh, you know, they might Foursquare might get a commission if the reservation actually goes through. Is that some? Is that similar? Or am I on the right track? Yeah, the business model here, you, you nailed it. So if it's Uber, if it's Open Table, if it's you know Grubhub, Seamless, uh, effectively uh, those merchants will pay uh, for the lead driven by the publisher. Got it. Uh, and they'll pay either a flat fee or a percentage of the transaction depending on their business model. In addition, uh, if the user doesn't have the app installed previously, so they're actually discovering this business for the first time or discovering it on mobile, uh, the merchants will pay a uh, installation fee, so like a CPI. Uh, and what's exciting is they're paying for an install in context. They know that right. that user is primed to purchase. Um, right. So it really does drive uh, high-value installs. Uh, and we do this, you know, not only in those what we would call like a super contextual environment. Uh, we also work with a lot of really uh, large scaled uh, shopping and loyalty apps uh, and websites. So folks like Ibotta, and uh, you know, we're working with Retail Me Not in the, uh, and we're actually opening up these loyalty and shopping apps that used to drive in-store purchase uh, and help people love to discover a deal. And be able to redeem it and purchase as you'd have to take that coupon into the store to redeem it. Uh, and now you can buy it right on your device. So there's a lot of applications for this. One other application is the travel industry. So we've started working with a number of the largest meta search sites. So we work with Skyscanner. Uh, if you've ever done uh, a mobile travel search to book a flight or to book a hotel, it's really hard. You typically do the search, and then when you tap the link, it will send you to like a non-optimized uh, website. Like in many cases, like United, it'll be a desktop website. It's almost impossible to purchase, right? You'll be there for 24 hours. And what we're working with these meta search engines to do is to turn those links when I tap into links that will send me into the app if I have it installed or encourage me to uh, download the app and install it. And what we've seen is that this can increase the conversion rate by three to four X. So it's you know, pretty powerful stuff. Wow, that's huge. So Mike, tell us about what's the most effective thing that's been working for you in terms of customer acquisition today. We you know referrals obviously working as well, but what else is kind of uh, working really well? So as you mentioned, referrals is, is one of our two or three best channels of acquisition. And I think, look, that's critical for any high growth company, uh, particularly a new one. 
And so, you know, we're really excited about that. And I think it speaks to the quality of the product. Uh, in addition to that, we have a really experienced enterprise sales team. So, you know, we sell into very distinct verticals on the publisher side, as I mentioned earlier. Those are, you know, shopping and loyalty uh, apps and websites, uh, content apps and websites, and uh, travel apps and websites. And we have an experienced seller, you know, 10 to 15 years of experience, deep industry relationships in each of those roles. Uh, we have a bunch of data on how our products perform in those verticals. So uh, we go to the folks who you know have traditionally you know uh, been in charge of monetization on the publisher side, uh, and then on the merchant side, we go to folks who have historically uh, controlled desktop affiliate budgets, and we say, "Look, this is a new product for mobile that's very similar." to what you've used in the past in many ways. So the model is the same, the economic model is the same, um, but we're going to bring you the most valuable users you've ever had uh, when we speak to the merchants uh, because we're going to drive them an app where they're you know three to four times more valuable than your web customer. Uh, and on the publisher side, we say, look, it's, it's a brand new source of revenue that's not in conflict with your existing revenue streams, uh, advertising and subscription. So... Uh, you know, it's hard for folks to turn that down. The biggest question we get as any new technology gets, uh, you, you kind of get, have to answer three questions when you're selling, you know, it's why should I do this? Why should I do this with you? And why should I do this now? You know, why should I do this is one that, uh, people tend to understand on both sides of our marketplace, both publishers and merchants. Uh, why should I do this with you folks understand? Because literally there is no other end-to-end -end mobile affiliate solution on earth that works. So that's exciting for us. Why should you do this now is the you know, most challenging question that we have to answer. Uh, and that's why we need really experienced salespeople. Uh, because, you know, most companies are resource constrained on the mobile side. And so we need to make a strong case as to how we can drive you know, incremental revenue, um, incremental customer acquisition, and uh, you know, prioritize versus many other initiatives that these companies are considering. So, you know, direct sales is, is a big channel. And then we do have a good marketing uh, organization. So our one-to-many marketing organization that creates, you know, white papers about the affiliate industry, about these specific verticals. We speak at conferences and things of that nature. But again, we found customer referrals and direct one-to-one -one selling are in uh, are our most successful channels. Lastly, I'll say we've been very, very fortunate in that we've raised money from individuals who are very, very well connected and deeply respected in the industries that we're going after. And that's definitely a strategy that I would recommend you know, to any entrepreneur, which is secure money, secure advisory roles uh, from very well respected people who believe in your business very early on. Uh, because those folks can be an amazing and incredible source of new business leads and reinforcement uh, that you know their peers uh, should respect and believe uh, that the product you're selling uh, is what you say it is. Great. You know, one question. I mean, not a lot of people here talk about kind of enterprise or or direct sales here. So, how do you find the right people? With well, so you got the right people, the right experience, um, and the right vertical too, right? So, how do how do you go about hiring these people? How do you find them? It is really, really challenging. Uh, I won't, uh, I won't uh, mince mince words. So, we had been seeking, for example, a head of travel, uh, the right person. You know, entrepreneurial, well connected, tremendously hard worker. You know, tr somebody we trusted uh, and who could be an evangelical seller because, again, travel 
as a, as a more recent and newer vertical that we're entering. Uh, so what actually happened is uh, we ended up hiring an incredible guy, John Fontaine, who was formerly the VP of Business Development at GoEuro. Uh, and we hired him. He uh, GoEuro is a partner of ours. Uh, they're based in Europe. He was working in Berlin, wanted to return to the United States. You know, we we courted him for a year, uh, and we're fortunate enough uh, that you know when he did choose to move back here, he chose to work at Button. So, you know, we do a lot of this through our network and developing trust with people over time. Uh, our head of content and loyalty publisher sales comes from Amazon. So we look at the best companies in the world, right? So she had been the top seller for Amazon Associates, which is Amazon's affiliate program. And again, she came through a personal referral. So I would say that you, you always have to look to your personal networks first. This is true at Google too. You know, I remember some stat when I was at Google, even though it's a huge company, that you know, out of the 2% of employee candidates are referred, but there's something like 40 or 50% of all employees hired. So you know, networks are critical. Great. And then, uh, you know, partner recommendations. So we've had a number of folks who we've hired uh, from recommendations of our partners. And awesome. and that's, it, it's just so important. When we've not done that, when we've gone out of band, we haven't been out as, as successful. So when we've hired folks that we didn't know directly. When you say you're, you're courting people, like, for example, it, it took a year for that one. I mean, what are you doing exactly? Are you just, you know, pinging them on, on LinkedIn or like, is it, is it something more involved? What does that look it's like? It's a more casual engagement is what I would say. So what you're always kind of putting out the opportunity, like, hey, we'd love to work with you. <laughs> we'd love you to work with us. Uh, you know, are you serious about it? Can you do this? And oftentimes people will say, look, this is really enticing, but now is not the right time. Um, and so, you know, that happens quite often. And in those cases, you just have to, to wait and be patient. I wouldn't say, you know, we would continually, you know, ask and, and request if, if folks demonstrate that they're not interested. It's not like we're trying to change minds. It's, it's a scenario of, of finding that right match with an open mind. Yeah. You know, I, I find, I mean, in most scenarios, you know, the, the great people are, are never looking on, on job boards, right? So, the, you know, they have to be courted through LinkedIn and then, you know, it has to become a conversation and maybe even meet them in person a couple of times, too, to just establish a relationship. And it seems like that's what you what you guys are doing. Um, and, I mean, with most of your people, is it just kind of you, you guys are finding them on your own? It's, it's referrals. Are you guys using any recruiters at all? So we're not using uh, any external recruiters. Uh, we've been exceptionally fortunate in that we uh, hired uh, and had a wonderful, wonderful woman, Stephanie Mardell, join our company very early on. So she was one of the first 15 folks to join Button. And so we've had a really, she joined us from Square, uh, you know, the best people person I've ever worked with. Uh, and so she's now in charge of you know our recruiting and all of our people operations. And so you know, she'll do a, a good amount of, of outreach. Uh, and we found you know, many fantastic people that way. On the sales side, I think we've been a little, little more specific in terms of personal referral. But for other opportunities within the organization, um, we have done outreach, and we do direct outreach. We do very little um, with recruiters, uh, and and it's frankly because we're fortunate enough to have a great internal uh, recruiting and people team, and so we do an insane amount of outreach. Like we're hiring for a head of marketing right now. And our personal networks are not as deep there. So we are doing, you know, an, uh, you know 50 emails a day, right? And, uh, and then, you know, kind of seeing who's interested and responsive. And, and we do this with, with real diligence, right? We'll have our target list of companies that we believe, you know, are best in the world and the type of marketing that we do. 
uh, and then we go after you know a highly specialized group of folks, but we have to do it at great volume, and it, it takes up a lot of time. And I, I know you hear this from a lot of entrepreneurs, but um, you know, recruiting could be it's probably more than a day a week in total for me uh, in terms of you know my focus and time spent. That's great. Well, tell us about one big struggle you faced while growing Button. So very early on uh, in the company, we had uh, a, a really kind of a, a moment of, uh, you know, moment of truth where uh, the initial product that we had raised our seed round on and, uh, you know, put the team together uh, with uh, simply wasn't working in, in the marketplace. So, uh, you know, Button raised on this thesis of app connections and, and you know, partnerships between publishers and uh and uh, commerce companies, which is you know, what our product does still to this day. Uh, but the premise originally was to have the merchants uh, actually put, so folks like Uber and OpenTable and Airbnb, who are our customers, uh, to put in an SDK that was kind of like a loyalty SDK so that their users would earn uh, points on you know purchases and on certain behavior. And then those points could be redeemed, you know, your Uber points could be redeemed at OpenTable, right? Or something of that nature, or be redeemed at Airbnb. Uh, so what you would call like co- coalition loyalty, kind of like what Amex Plenty is trying to do. And uh, what we found is that, you know, retention and, and retention via loyalty just simply was not anywhere near the top priority for the companies we were targeting who were in sort of hyper growth mode. So, you know, after... You know, four to five months of aggressive selling, we were only working with two companies on this product, and and we just knew this wasn't going to scale into a VC you know backed business and, and create the type of growth that we wanted. So, um, this was you know Q late Q three of 2014 after we'd started the company in early 2014, uh, and you know I won't call it a pivot fully, but a change in the product such that uh, what happened right around this time is that Uber opened up their API, mm-hmm. uh, and they were one of the first to do this really publicly. The timing was fortunate. Uh, I, I always like to say, to be a successful startup, you have to be good, but you also have to be really lucky. And right when we were finding you know, a, a lack of fit with our initial business model and product model, uh, Uber opened up their API and said, "Hey, you know, developers across the world, put Uber, you know, an Uber button uh, into your app uh, or into your mobile website." And we knew, you know, they announced twelve initial partners, but we knew they couldn't scale that out themselves to hundreds and hundreds of partners that they wanted to work with. And we also knew that other companies were contemplating this, you know, through the relationships that we had. And we said, look, there's going to be an amazing marketplace here for helping these companies that are opening up their APIs, who are getting into this sort of performance-based marketing model um, to work with a company like Button. And there needs to be a company dedicated specifically to this. So we became one of Uber's 15 first partners, did a lot of press around it. It helped us raise our Series A round, and, and then we were off and running. And, and you know, we are where we are today, I think, because of that fortunate change in the model and a little stroke of luck in terms of Uber opening up their API at that specific time. But there were a couple months there where it was scary. Sometimes you just need a little luck, right? <laughs> exactly. Great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let's switch gears here. Just a couple more questions from my end. Uh, what's one new tool that you've added in the last year that has created a lot of value for you? So example would be Evernote, for example. Yeah, so Slack uh, is one that I'm sure you hear a lot. Uh, I am a super hyper communicator. So, uh, you know, I communicate through any channel available to me. Uh, and I over-index and I love, love, love to be in constant contact with 
you know, my direct team members, with my teammates, with my peers, um, but also with customers. So, you know, we've created, you know, internal uh, Slack channels for a number of the projects we work on, a number of the different divisions of the company. Uh, and then obviously you can have one-to-one conversations. And then we've actually opened up Slack uh, communication with our uh, partners. So we have partner-specific channels for real-time communication. Um, and, you know, we've put really good boxes around, you know, when you will send something to the whole company, when you'll send something to specific groups and to specific people. But it's really, really helped in terms of, you know, not having everything go to email. Um, Slack isn't something that you necessarily need to answer immediately, whereas often email feels very urgent. And then it allows for uh, much more seamless communication, uh, you know, particularly as we're integrating or trying to solve a particular problem or opportunity with a customer. So, you know, Slack for us at Button has led, and for me personally, has led to incredible um, productivity gains. Uh, and I think you just need to set up boundaries and, and make sure that, that it's used right. Uh, it doesn't work for everybody, uh, and not everybody at the company you know engages in it and uses it you know to the degree that I do. Um, but for me, it's been just an incredibly powerful tool. Got it. Okay. What's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? So I would say one of my favorite business books ever, uh, and it's it's getting close to being replaced. So I'll give you two. But I I thought PayPal Wars uh, was a you know just a tremendous book uh, on a you know, about a group of entrepreneurs, and it's more of a almost like a novel read than it is a business rules and management book. Um, but you know, you're reading about how this incredible business with some of the most impactful people in technology today, like Peter Thiel, like Elon Musk, you know, Keith Rabois, Reed Hoffman, you know, so many others, uh, were all working together and uh, and you know, kind of battling this behemoth uh, eBay. Uh, and creating sort of a trust-based new payment economy. So really an incredible book about that era. Uh, and then, you know, Chaos Monkeys was a fun one <laughs> that I read recently uh, about kind of M&A and growing a business uh, in Silicon Valley over the last five years. And then lastly, I'd say uh, Shoe Dog, uh, just an incredible book. I wonder if other, I wouldn't be surprised if other folks have recommended it. So I'd say PayPal Wars is my favorite from 10, 15 years ago. And Shoe Dog, you know, the story of Phil Knight founding Nike is my favorite recent business book. Just a tremendous must read for everyone. Got it. Yeah, great book for sure. Actually, both of those are really good. Um, okay. And last question. I mean, this has been great, Mike. What's the best way for people to find you online? Yeah, so I am a, as I mentioned earlier, I believe, uh, a profuse uh, profuse, I don't know, a very, very active user of Twitter. So, you know, I use it very strategically, uh, in terms of, you know, trying to provide valuable information, things that are interesting to me, you know, insight, uh, often pretty strong opinion. Um, and, uh, what it's helped me to do over the past 10 years, I just hit my 10 year anniversary on Twitter, but particularly over the last three to four years, as my number of followers has grown, as I can communicate uh, with you know hundreds or thousands of folks at a time about topics that I really care about, and then engage and then learn, because I'm far from the smartest person on the face of this earth. Um, so I often make assertions where uh, you know the comments that I get back teach me a tremendous amount about a specific issue, a specific market. Um, so it's just a really high leverage way. Um, for me to communicate and learn. I'm extremely responsive there. It's the best way to reach me if you don't know me. Uh, so it's at M-D-U-D-A-S is my Twitter handle. So I definitely recommend that folks uh, follow, engage, and, and chat with me there. Got it. 
Great. Mike, thanks so much for doing this. Eric, thank you. Really appreciate your time. It was great. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.